Mr. Thomas? Here. Mr. Fraley? Here. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you. First item could be considered on our regular agenda. We have the uh, following items have requested continuances from the March public hearing to the April public hearing. I'll read those and then I'll read a motion for the continuance. The uh, first item is regular item number one, the City of Norfolk for the following applications. Change of zoning from C2 Corridor Commercial District to D2 Downtown Regional Center District on properties fronting 470 feet more or less along the southern line of East Butte Street, 289 feet more or less along the western line of Fenchurch Street and 423 feet more or less along the northern line of Wood Street. Premises numbered uh, 523 through 545 East Butte Street, 555 Fenchurch Street, and 520 Wood Street. Another application in that request is to close Fox Lane from the eastern line of Posey Lane to the southern line of East Butte Street. And the third application is to close Posey Lane from the southern line of East Butte Street to the northern line of Wood Street. Next item requesting a continuance is Hampton Roads Land Company for a change of zoning from R11 Moderate Density Multifamily District to Conditional I-5 Deep Waterfront Industrial District on properties fronting 390 feet more or less along the western line of Brown Street and 100 feet more or less along the southern line of Clay Avenue. Premises numbered 1701 through 1731 Brown Avenue. And the last one request is Grove Park Place Associates for a special exception. This is item number six to permit townhouses on property fronting 102 feet more or less along the western line of Granby Street and 110 feet more or less along the southern line of 33rd Street, premises numbered 3243 Granby Street. Is there anyone here concerning these items? All right, the motion is to continue the items till the public hearing to be held on Thursday, April 23rd, 2015 at 2.30 p.m. In the City Council Chambers, 11th floor, City Hall Building, Civic Center, Norfolk, Virginia. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuellen? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. We will now turn to the third item on the agenda for today. This is a request by Albert Viola for a change of zoning from C2 Corridor Commercial District to conditional R14 high density multifamily district on properties uh, on property fronting 177 feet more or less along the eastern line of Shore Drive beginning 161 feet more or less on the northern line of East Little Creek Road and extending northwardly premises numbered 7922 Shore Drive I'm sorry, Lenny, I wasn't paying attention. Um, okay, well, and we're I on. recognize that we have here to speak in favor of this application. The applicant, Mr. Albert Viola. Perfectly welcome to have the podium, sir. Thank you for having me here today. My name is Albert Viola. I live at 205B, 60th Street, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23451. 
to see before you our application, the graphics for our application. Um, what I'd like to do is first point out some, some of the feelings we have about the rezoning and what it's going to do for that area. <clears throat> the area east and across Shore Drive behind the commercial on the road is zoned all for medium density housing. The development of this property affords opportunity for upgrade of south vehicular pedestrian entrance to the bayfront. I feel very strongly that this is going to be a primary entrance to the bayfront established along this uh, corridor. If rezoned and developed, it establishes transitional area from intersection to the bridge. Medium density housing, mixed use, low impact office, commercial and residential could, could be there. It provides much needed higher quality housing at a $200,000 price point close to the bay. I think it will generate less traffic volume than commercial use. It avoids strip commercial development as you see on that road now. It obviously calls for more green space than commercial and office. And it is supported and recommended for approval by the East Ocean View Civic League, the Norfolk Planning Staff, and the Norfolk Architectural Review Board. Some of the merits of the plan that we have compared to the zoning, the parking exceeds the 1.75 spaces per unit. We've allocated just one space shy of two spaces per unit for a total of 79 spaces. The density that we're asking for is 40 units, profit at 25 units per acre. The zoning that we're asking for would allow 33 units per acre or 52 with 33 units per acre or 52 units. So we're down, we're down zoning uh, or using less, less density. The open space, according to the ordinance, is 35%. We're exceeding that. We're at 47% with our rooftop gardens. A very novel and new idea in this area, but very popular in other areas of the country. Our building height is 35 feet, which is under the 45 foot maximum. And our building setbacks on all sides of the property exceed the zoning requirements. We have 70 parking spaces that are concealed from Shore Drive. So as people drive by Shore Drive, the only parking spaces they're going to see are the guest spaces out front. Everything else is under the building or in the rear of the property. As I said before, 47% of our open space is included in the central courtyard and five rooftop gardens. Each garden will be separate for each of the eight units. Stormwater reclamation through rooftop greenery will be used and dry riverbeds in the open space. Maintenance-free exteriors will be used. Provision for ground level personal storage for bikes and beach material, surfboards, fishing rods will be provided so they won't be all over the property. An open space at the front entrance for visual enhancement along Shore Drive will be provided. Our architectural design is beachy. It's fresh and it's compatible. As you probably see from our proffering statement, we are proffering the site plan, the elevations, the density, the rooftop gardens, the under the builder parking, under building parking, the open courtyard, and building exterior colors and materials. It's a safe development. There's no risk. We're proffering just about everything you can imagine other than the people that are going to be living there. I'd like to take the opportunity right now as I finish to thank the Ocean View Civic League, the Norfolk City staff, 
the ARB, and particularly Matt Hales, for all their cooperation and input in developing this project. It's been a working progress, and I think we've come together and we've developed a, what I consider to be a very fine project. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Viola. Any questions of Mr. Viola, commissioners? Thank you, sir. Uh, also here to speak in favor of this application, Mr. John Green. No, John Green? I'm sorry. That's fine. Too many papers there. Good afternoon. I'm John Green. I live at 4720 East Beach Drive. I'm the president of the East Ocean View Civic League. And I'm uh, speaking on behalf of the uh, Civic League in support of Mr. Albert Viola's uh, request to rezone the property at 7922 Shore Drive uh, from its current C2 to conditional R4 zoning. Uh, provided separately an endorsement to the proposal. Hopefully you all have that. Uh, so I won't reiterate what's in writing. I do want to highlight a couple of points, though. First, Mr. Viola uh, very cooperatively and enthusiastically attended our Civic League meeting 5 February. He, along with a representative from the engineering firm, uh, he's engaged, who's here today also, uh, were well prepared. Uh, they addressed attendees' questions regarding project size and scope and such issues as resident parking, traffic flow, and setbacks. And regarding traffic, he noted there are only 40 units, uh, though with the potential for 80 or so vehicles, including visitors, and not all uh, will enter and exit at the same time. He did indicate he'll explore a rear entrance off Little Creek if doable, which it may not be, but he said he would look at it. Uh, he also addressed a question on the minds of many there, uh, which he talked to today, why this piece of property and why condominiums? And said he believes this complex represents uh, perhaps the beginning of a transitional area from Little Creek Road to Pretty Lake Bridge. The remaining number of CD motels, lesser quality houses, and undeveloped commercial property in the area, and hopefully this could be the beginning of, re of a revitalization to the entranceway to East Ocean View with quality, affordable housing. Uh, beyond that, we believe that every new development and home in East Ocean View adds to needed city revenue and helps us improve our demographics, the so-called rooftops that East Ocean View is often cited as lacking as a draw for new businesses. As well, this project involves ownership versus rental and thus further improves the numbers. What we hope for is to work with the city and helping us to determine long-term how this condominium complex can fit into our vision for the community, which is for a mix of residential housing, decent quality hotels, restaurants, shopping, and small businesses for the as yet undeveloped property in our area. Uh, thank you all for your consideration of this request and support for EOB. Thank you, Mr. Green. Any question or comment, Mr. Green, commissioners? Thank you. Uh, here to speak against this application, Michael Shahan. Good afternoon, board. I'm Michael Shahan. I live at 8021 Buffalo Avenue in Norfolk. I'm here wearing a couple of hats. I'm the president of the Bel Air Civic League, just under three miles up the street from Little Creek Road. Also, I'm a business owner that's directly behind this property in the neighborhood, and I own multiple properties in that neighborhood, and I have family members that live in this neighborhood. When it comes to Bel Air, we voted against this project unanimous, and unanimously. All right, it's a pretty building, um, but we're concerned about traffic and repeating the mistakes of the past. In the past, we had, which now is currently East Beach, the city stuffed properties in oddball areas just to gain more revenue. All right, um, this to us does not make sense. 
it's stuff between McDonald's and the hotel. And the traffic in that area, we don't even have the impact of what the current um, construction projects um, are going to have on it. Currently, the apartments on Pretty Lake Avenue, um, um, Points East um, um, Condominium Place, and East Beach. We haven't had the full impact of all the traffic that those places are going to um, have on that area. We want to see more of a, an idea, a plan of what's going to happen in the future, more laid out um, where the commercials are and, and, and residents flow more nicely along this corridor. Um, we think in that in the property is best suited for a YMCA, maybe a commercial condo system where people, um, small entrepreneurs can to own their own business condominium. These kinds of projects you've seen in, in Chesapeake and elsewhere. Um, on that matter, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions, commissioners? Um, I would yes, um, have a question. You mentioned the concern for traffic. Yes, ma'am. How does this 24-unit building compare with placing business uh, this is a 40, buildings, yeah. this is a 40 unit building. Part, 40, 40, 40, 40, sorry, 40 unit building. How does that compare with um, intensifying uh, business uh, uh, buildings in that area? Uh, I'm not quite sure how you're equating that. Well, business, you, you definitely have traffic coming in and out of business. Um, hopefully, if a good business um, is, is is, is doing well, they have lots of traffic. Um, normally a business in certain areas will attract its neighbors coming to that place where there's marinas all around there. Those piece, people can come in doing business there. Um, so you are gonna have an impact. What I'm saying is, is there's current residential properties all around there that's not fully developed yet. We don't even know the impact of what these projects are gonna have on this area, uh, let alone this one or any other future ones that can occur with, with, with their current zonings. There's opportunities all around there as far as residential that's already zoned properly. So are we going to keep on pushing more people in that area? And then the impact, not, not this year, mm -hmm. five years down the road, ten years down the road, all these certain things kind of ball up together. You preceded your, earlier in your comments, you indicated that you had a business at the rear of this property? Oh, in the neighborhood behind the property. Okay, is, is, can you point out generally where you are on this particular map here? Uh, are you immediately adjacent to the site? I'm not adjacent. I have one um, 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 duplex that connects to that property, mm -hmm. um, and I have um, um, a house on Turner Road, uh, another duplex on Turner Road. He's at the end of Dunning there. Road. Dunning is the road running across the top. If you follow yeah, Dunning uh, down. My business is all the way on the end, the of, end of Dunning. And he owns a residential that's down on Turner. Yes, sir. Thank you. Right. Any comment, question, commissioners? I, I just wanted to clarify. Um, Bel Air is not adjacent. It's, you said it was three miles away. Is that correct? Okay. Mr. Vole, if you would like a rebuttal, sir, we certainly will give you that opportunity. I, 
fine. Good deal. Any question or comment, commissioners? Lenny? The uh, motion is to recommend that the change of zoning be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. The next application before you is number five. This, uh, I'm sorry, wait a minute. Number four. Number four. Bad four. By Catherine McCoy for a change of zoning from conditional R8 single family to Bayfront residential park and Bayfront residential parking overlay district to conditional R12 medium density multifamily and Bayfront residential parking overlay on property fronting 58 feet more or less along the northern line of East Ocean View Avenue beginning 490 feet uh, from the eastern line of Inlet Road and extending eastwardly. Premises numbered 2040 East Ocean View Avenue. Thank you, Lenny. We do want to acknowledge that the applicant is Catherine McCoy. Ms. McCoy, if you'd like to make any comments to us, you're certainly welcome to do so at this time. Thank you, ma'am. Commissioners, any question or comment? Lenny? Okay. Yeah. Oh, we did want a presentation on this. Is that you, Matthew? All right. Well, this, this application is for conditional rezoning from conditional R8 single family to conditional R12 multifamily in order to accommodate a two-family use on the site. Um, the site is located on the north side of East Ocean View Avenue. Um, it is approximately 11,000 square feet. Um, and like most of the lots in the vicinity, it has direct frontage on East Ocean View Avenue and the bay front. Uh, it's currently zoned conditional R8 and um, is currently zoned conditional R8 and the R12 zoning is consistent with the vast majority of the uh, property along this stretch of East Ocean View Avenue. The R12 zoning would allow the applicant to accommodate the proposed development of the property, uh, which is stated in the application as a um, 3,000 square foot single family home and a 1,000 square foot carriage house. Uh, while it is, um, uh, before I get into the specifics, I'll go over some of the history here of how we got here. Um, so the, if you, if you look in the attached zoning map, you'll notice that everything along this whole stretch is is uh, R12 except for this one property that's R8. Um, that's because in 2001 there was a uh, unimproved 18 foot wide lane of uh, unimproved right of way that accessed the beach that was closed by the city in 2001 um, by an act of council. And this 18-foot lane was purchased by a previous property owner and was combined with a 40-foot wide lot to create the 58-foot wide lot that it is today. At the same time, in 2001, the City Council also approved the site to be rezoned to conditional R8 as part of that street closure request. There were a few conditions that were placed on the R8 at the time, um, one of which was a condition that tied the proposed home to a specific set of elevations. Um, all of the R8 conditions will be removed with this proposed rezoning and replaced with a new condition proffered by the applicant, which I'll, I'll read for you in just a minute. And then later on in 2014, a permit was granted by the Norfolk Wetlands Board to accommodate an encroachment 
of a structure into the primary coastal sand dune. Um, and the request that's before you today is to revert the zoning back to R12 in context with what you see on the rest of um, East Ocean View Avenue. Um, in your application, you'll see the um, on page one the stated intent of a 3,000 square foot home and a 1,000 square foot carriage house. Um, there's also a letter of support in your packet from the Bayview and Cottage Line Civic Leagues with the uh, letter from the Cottage Line reiterating their support for a single family home with a carriage house. Um, so the, the proffer that I will read to you that the applicant has agreed to for this conditional rezoning, it states that the development and use of the property shall be limited specifically to a three-car garage with overhead apartment to be located on the south side of the property and a single-family house to be located on the north side of the property facing the beach. So that's included with this ordinance and will be the, um, the condition that's attached to this R12 zoning. So this is a conceptual site plan that's also in your packet. Um, and I uh, stand by for any questions that you might have. The letters are from the Cottage Line and Bayview Civic League. They're in your packet at the end. And with that, um, staff does recommend support of the change to R12. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, any questions of Matt Commissioners? I, I have a question. And um, this is re related to the application and then the proffer. And mm -hmm. um, so the application proposes a house of 3,000 square feet and a garage apartment of 1,000 square feet. And um, is there any issue within the Neighborhood Civic League in terms of that ratio? Or was that brought up? Was that ratio brought up during the Civic League meeting? Is that a concern? Or could there be two equal houses? Well, I was not in attendance for any of the meetings. Um, I can only just, just defer you to the letters, the letters that we have. Um, the one specifically from Cottage Line, it does say that the applicant... Um, I'll paraphrase some of it. They've made requests to the Cottage Line Civic League to change the zoning from RA to R12. And then it says the change is being requested to support the build of a garage slash carriage house on the street side of the lot in 2015 and the building of a single family home on the beach side of the lot in the future. Um, so it references, uh, I guess, styles or forms. No specific reference to any sizes. Uh, I, I guess that's up for personal interpretation of what a what a carriage house size is compared to a, a principal structure. Thank you, Matt. That asked you you clear. I am, but, but the proffer then extends beyond the current applicant slash owner to a subsequent. Uh, yeah, the way that owner. the conditional rezonings work is it's not like special exceptions where you if you don't activate it or if it goes vacant for a period of time that it expires. Uh, the conditional the conditions run with the land in perpetuity. Right. Unless someone comes back to Planning Commission and Council um, to apply for another change of zoning, um, it's attached to the land. Other R12 zoning allows for two houses. Is that correct? Yes. That's the that's the under our definition of a of, of a two-family structure that would encapsulate essentially. Um, a single family home and a carriage house because we have two separate kitchen facilities um, and, and, and bathing facilities. They're two separate units, so it would not normally be allowed in R8, um, but it's the same zoning that would allow a, a duplex. And with this size of a property in this size lot frontage, the most um, that, you, that this size property could handle in terms of multifamily development 
would be a two-family, whether it's in the form of a duplex or okay. carriage house, principal house situation. Uh, you couldn't do a triplex, quadplex, or any other multifamily just because of its size. It doesn't have enough street frontage uh, to accommodate that in our zoning ordinance. But I guess my point is that if everything else it sounds like is, is around there is R12, because of the history, this was R8, now we're trying to go back to R12, and the proffers don't exist with the other R12 properties, probably. No, they don't have any okay. any proffers or conditions okay. at all. So that's, in theory, that that's in essence why the staff recommendation from, from planning, whether or not the proffer is in any way changed or tweaked whatsoever, staff recommends approval because of the context. Understood. It's, it's appropriate for that area. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you, Matt, for that clarification. Any other questions or comment, commissioners? Okay. Thank you. Lenny? The motion is to recommend that the change of zoning be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuellen? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. All right. We now move to item five, the Catholic Diocese of Richmond, for a change of zoning from R8 single family and IRIO institutional residential impact overlay districts to conditional IN2, which is institutional campus district, on properties fronting 204 feet more or less along the northern line of 49th Street and 105 feet more or less on the western line of Bluestone Avenue. Property also fronts 150 feet, more or less, on the eastern line of Bowdens Ferry Road. Its premises numbered 1300 through 1310, 49th Street. Thank you, Lenny. Here to speak in favor of this application, Mr. Paul Mahefke. Good afternoon. Um, I represent, uh, my name is Paul Mahefke, and I'm the director of real estate for the Diocese of Richmond. Mr. Mahefke, can we have a mailing address, please? Yes, 7800 Carousel Lane, Richmond, Virginia. I'm not sure how long we've had this property, but it's probably been at least, oh, it might have been 30 or 40 years. But with that said, uh, we've outgrown it. It's a detached house. Uh, just doesn't seem to have the right atmosphere for kids and doing ministry uh, you, from room to room. Uh, it's not really conducive to the kind of, uh, I think, uh, ministry that we do today with uh, students. So looking at the building, uh, as my father would say, the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze, you know, to fix it up, uh, to do something. So we decided to uh, look at the potential of what we could do there. And luckily for us, Old Dominion uh, has uh, related to us that we could acquire uh, some adjacent properties with us. So that more or less got our ambition level up to uh, make a better statement in the neighborhood because what we look like right now is just not that good. So uh, with that said, we begin to address what the possibilities uh, was for uh, doing this. And so what we intend to do, can I just push this and go along? Uh, up here? Down here?
as you can see, uh, we're just in a pretty prominent area uh, of is the right way uh, of of uh, Old Dominion University. We've got a uh, a garage beside us that's old that owned that's owned by Old Dominion that works for us. Uh, not that we need that much parking, but on Sundays we have mass, and most people walk uh, uh, to mass, you know, from the campus. But with that said, uh, if there would be any kind of uh, need for additional parking, we've got an agreement with Old Dominion that, that they could park in the garage uh, that's, that's next to us. And you can see that the building on the left is our building, uh, which is just tired, and the building on the right belongs to Old Dominion, which is tired. So that's sort of the beginning of uh, the property that we would probably, for sure, would raise both buildings. Uh, and you can sort of see how the uh, properties have joined each other uh, in this. And what we have decided to do to sort of make an L shape, we have uh, this uh, adjoining uh, parking, which I think is what, eight, eight places? Nine, just because uh, it's minimal requirement for uh, students. They just, they just walk here, so we have some staff members that probably do, you know, park a car once in, a, once in a while. And you can sort of see we have a L-shaped building where on the left-hand side would be the administrative. Uh, the right-hand side of the building would be uh, held for uh, special activities and meeting rooms. And then the top part at 12 o'clock would be for where they would uh, hold uh, services. And there's sort of a shot looking from the parking lot at, at the uh, corner of how, how, we, how we would look. And there's a, how do I get to, uh, well, show me, uh, I can get, press for video. Thanks. So here's sort of a conceptual look around what it would look like. A lot different than what we have right now. We put a bell tower in there just because that's us. <laughs> uh, just into stuff like that for 2,000 years. I, I don't know if that would be exactly what we would do. It may be a little bit lower. I don't know, but you know we're we're in the business of calling people to religion, so that's one way how we do it. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for, especially the staff, for their cooperation and their help and uh, for your time. And any questions? Paul, has the university seen that rendering you just showed us? Yes. Okay. Yes. They give you any feedback at all? Uh, you know, quite frankly, the university sort of gave me the, uh, uh, the basic blueprint of what uh, they thought they would like. And I thought they had an excellent idea, so I, I can't take credit for all this. Uh, they, they've been part of this. I wish I could. And then I, then I called the uh, civic person uh, and had a nice long chat with him back in February, uh, David O'Dell, who is in charge of the Civic League. And uh, he just was just uh, very supportive any which way. He said, look, I'll come down. I'll do anything. I'm behind you 120%. Uh, there wasn't any heartburn at all on his part. So he's fully supporting you know, uh, this uh, proposal with that. Thank you. Any questions of the applicant, folks? Thank you. Thank you. Also here to speak in favor of this application, Mr. Thomas Harris.
Good afternoon, members of the civil, uh, city planning. My name is Thomas Harris. I'm the president of the Lambus Point Civil League. And this matter does not affect our community at all. But Mr. Harris, if you don't mind, sir, if you could give us your mailing address. My mailing address is 1231 West 27th Street, Norfolk, area code 23508. Thank you, sir. And I am, again, I'm the president of the Lambus Point Civil League. And this matter does not affect the Lambus Point community, but by being the Old Dominion University is right there at us, we uh, take consider what happened on the campus and off the campus very seriously. And we like this uh, approval for this uh, application to go through. And uh, we want to support Old Dominion like they support us. So we approve it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Uh, any comments, questions, commissioners? I just like to say I, I, I like that uh, having served on the Catholic Diocese of Richmond Pastoral Council myself, I'm delighted to see that they're taking an interest in wanting to upgrade their presence on one of the major university campuses in, our, in the Commonwealth. And I like what you showed us in that rendering. I hope it comes to fruition. Uh, with that, Lenny? The uh, motion is to recommend that the change of zoning be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Next application is number seven. This is BJ's Wholesale Club for a special exception to operate a gasoline station on property fronting 185 feet, more or less along the northern line of East Virginia Beach Boulevard fronting 632 feet more or less along the eastern line of North Military Highway and extending eastwardly premises numbered 5232 East Virginia Beach Boulevard. I'd like to acknowledge the applicant's representative in attendance, Randy Royal, and state for the record that there is no opposition to this application. Randy, if you want to say something, you certainly can. Um, I will just state there, there is one letter of opposition in your packet just from a neighbor. Yeah, there is one. It is from the property owner uh, and the business located on the other side. 7-Eleven. It's a 7-Eleven operator who uh, feels that a gas station might not be the, in character with the area. I stand corrected, Randy. There is some opposition. Perhaps I should give a presentation. <laughs> Good afternoon, Chairman Fraley, members of the Planning Commission. I'm Randy Royal. Business address, Kimley Horn Associates, 4500 Main Street, Virginia Beach. I'm here representing BJ's on this application. We have an existing C3 retail center zoning. We're asking for a use permit to operate a gas facility. This will be an ancillary use to the existing BJ's, which is located at Janif right now. We're proposing six MPDs, multiple, multiple product dispensers, a kiosk for an operator. There's no convenience store sales or anything like that, but somebody there to operate the facility. Uh, ours are basically the same as BJ's Wholesale. It's open maybe 30 minutes afterwards on each day to allow for folks that have done their shopping to still have time to go and get gas. But 6.30 to 9.30 Monday through Saturday and 6.30 to 7.30 on Sunday. So we've worked with staff. We've got 11 conditions which were uh, agreeable to all of them. Worked extensively with uh, traffic engineering to talk about the flow on site, how the vehicles would get in and out, minimizing uh, the access points. There's, gosh, there's four access points now, and there's an in and out on Virginia Beach Boulevard. We've changed the Virginia Beach Boulevard to an in only. 
uh, to eliminate that movement. Uh, again, staff is recommending approval. We hope you'll see fit to do the same. I have a representative from BJ's here and also from JGD who does the gas tank installation. And I'll stand by for questions. Thank you, Randy. Any questions, commissioners, of Mr. Royal? Thank you, Randy. And thank you, Matthew, for noting that we did have that letter of opposition. And you do, you do have a letter of support in your packet from the Lake Taylor Civic League, so I'll point that out to you. Any question or comment, commissioners? Lenny? The uh, motions recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck with that. Thank you. All right. Your next application is a request. And, uh, number eight, honey? Yep. Number eight, for the following applications on property fronting 120 feet more or less on the western line of Granby Street and 115 feet more or less along the eastern line of Llewellyn Avenue. Premises numbered 4225 Granby Street. It's two applications. The first one is a special exception to operate a gasoline station. The second one is a special exception to operate an automobile and truck repair facility. All right. Um, the application you have before you is on a property that is at the southern end of the Granby Street Bridge. Uh, it's on the west side of Granby Street and on the east side of Llewellyn Avenue. There's an apartment complex uh, across Llewellyn. Um, it is located in the Riverview Pedestrian Commercial uh, Overlay District, which does encourage or, and allow such uses by special exception. Um, the existing use there is a gas station and a car repair, and the applicant is proposing to expand it by adding another uh, service bay. Um, just to give you a little bit of history, um, the operation of this site, as I mentioned, it is currently being operated as a gas station and a car repair. Those uses were in place prior to the adoption of the existing PCO, so they are legally nonconforming. Um, the applicant does want to do an expansion, and when you do that, you then have to become conforming. You do that by then coming in and applying for the special exception for the car repair uh, and for the gas station. This is the uh, proposed site plan, as you'll see. Um, there are improvements proposed uh, to, the, um, to the site, um, and I'll, I'll go through those. Um, and uh, this is, uh, these are special exceptions, so with special exceptions are conditions. So as I read off um, the improvements, also know that these are uh, conditions as part of the, uh, the special exception. So obviously we talk about the hours, which would be 7 o'clock a.m. to 9 o'clock p.m. Monday through Friday, 8 o'clock a.m. till 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, Saturday and closed on Sunday. Um, B, landscaping shall be installed and maintained uh, in accordance with the landscape plan attached here to and marked as the Exhibit A. The landscaping shall be installed... Uh, no more than three months after the adoption of this ordinance. And this plan is really a good, uh, if you can see it, uh, uh, example of the, or, or site plan showing the uh, landscaping. We'll have some uh, along both Llewellyn and along Granby where there is none now. So that is an improvement. Um, they are also proposing some driveway closures. The northernmost uh, driveway along Llewellyn Avenue and the middle driveway on Granby Street shall be closed in accordance with the standards set forth by the Department of Public Works. 
Um, D, notwithstanding any other regulations pertaining to temporary window signage within Chapter 16 of the Zoning Ordinance, no less than 50% of the glass area of the front facade of the building shall be transparent. Uh, the dumpster shall be screened with masonry walls that complement the building. Uh, there shall be no signage on any wall of the building other than the front facade. All portable signs shall be removed. Uh, there shall be no storage of tanks, drums, or barrels stored outside. Uh, storage tanks that are not being used shall be removed from the site. Um, all storage tanks and bollards on the site shall be painted and uh, properly maintained. Um, again, we've got the stock conditions, but those are the conditions pertaining to these this particular property and the improvements that would be made that are not there now. Um, so subject to these conditions and the standard conditions uh, pertaining to work being done outside and having a work order for all of the cars, um, staff <coughs> is recommending with these conditions that this these applications for both of the special exceptions be approved. It will bring the existing uh, uses into conformance, it will improve the site, uh, and it will allow him to do an expansion. Thank you, Susan. Any questions of Ms. Pollock? Yeah, uh, Ms. Pollock, the um, trash, is that the trash enclosure, is that a fence or is that now brick wall? Currently, it's a fence. And the proffer, is it? The It's not a proffer. This is a condition that staff has requested that it match the building, which would be a masonry material. I thought that's what I make sure. Uh, and Susan, just for further clarity, uh, I thought it was something in our packets with regard to one of the civic leagues being a little bit concerned about the addition and its height. Yeah, um, as I think we've discussed, we received some conflicting uh, emails from, um, I guess there's a change in, in president uh, of the civic leagues. Um, and yeah, I think the second letter that we received from the acting president did indicate that there was some concern about, I think, the height of the proposed expansion. And I do have... This is the elevation over here. Um, this is the existing building, and that is right there. The Any questions of Susan commissioners? Comment at this point. Thank you, Susan. Hearing none, here to speak in favor of this application, Mark Woodard. Thank you all for your time. Uh, my name is Mark Woodard, Woodard Design. I'm the architect, and I kind of represent Jason uh, as the applicant. My address is 1100 Grammy Street, Suite 201. Uh, we've been going uh, through this process for quite a long time, uh, and and I applaud everyone who's been involved. The staff's been great. Um, we have met with the uh, Civic, Civic League twice. Um, both times we got uh, general approval. They didn't, ne they never had enough people for a quorum. So we got a general approval uh, with the people who were there the first time. Second time we met, there was 20 people there this time and we got approval then. So to our knowledge, uh, on January the 12th, uh, we were good to go with with Civic League recommendation. And actually, the uh, president at the time sent an email to me that night confirming that the overall opinion of, of what we were trying to do with the gas station was approved. And then it was, I, I met later, or I, uh, I guess uh, a couple weeks ago, I got a letter from Susan indicating that, that a couple people, I guess in the Riverview section, were not very happy with what we were trying to do. Um, so, uh, 
to make a long story short, during that time, we, we actually had lowered the building. And I think there was some conception that this building was huge and three-story structure. And in fact, it's just really a one-story structure. And it's about three feet taller than when the existing ridge on this building. The building is very low-profile architecture. We're trying to keep the same kind of architecture, but we have to maintain on the backside of this building that particular profile. So we, we lowered this by two feet. Um, I got a hold of the acting president to find out what his concerns were. Um, two days later, he got one of the, I guess, one of the people in review to call me direct to talk about that. We made, had a discussion on the phone. Um, I gave him draw, new drawings of what we had, had proposed. I believe he was happy. I, he never got back to me, and I tried to get back to the president before this meeting, but apparently I, I, I was uh, with no success. But I believe that the consensus, again, with the civic league meetings were approval of the project. Um, and again, with the staff recommendation by Susan, we're, we're okay with all the recommendations except for the dumpster. Um, my, my client's prepared to spend about a quarter of a million dollars to improve the site. And um, I think one compromise, other than masonry construction, we would propose doing wood construction with drive-it finishes because the addition we're going to put on here and a lot of the building it already has, has a drive-it finish. So we think that that kind of meets the, um, the intent of, of the code and the Planning Commission's requirements. So that would be the only exception that we would have uh, with, with the uh, proposal. And other than that, I hope uh, everybody is in favor of the agreement. And if you have any questions or photographs or anything, I, I have a, a huge file to share with you. Thank you. Any questions, Commissioners? Thank you, Mr. Woodard. Thank you. Also here to speak in favor of this application, John Childers. Good afternoon. My name is John Childers. I live at 424 Connecticut Avenue, Norfolk, Virginia. That is in the Colonial Place neighborhood. I also own MJ's Tavern, and I own the property that it sets on. And I'm a board member of the Riverview Village Business Association, and currently its treasurer and past president. What Jason is projecting to do here is going to be a brightening up and making our gateway into our neighborhood and what we, we call ourselves the gateway into downtown Norfolk from across the bridge, a lot better, a lot less blighty. It's uh, the green closing up the exits. I think it's going to be an awesome exit. Um, and I just wanted that, that as an owner of the house, as an owner of a property and an owner of a business, that we are fully behind this. And so is other folks we discussed last week at our business league meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Childers. Any questions? Thank you, sir. Uh, also here in favor of this application, Richard Levin. Good afternoon, commissioners. Richard Levin, 122 West 21st Street, Norfolk, Virginia, uh, which is my business after us. I've been a part of the Riverview Village Business Association. I hate to even date myself, but it's been over, Bill Nussbaum reminded me, over 25 years. I was there uh, early on when everything was pretty much boarded up and uh, worked closely with the planning then and with Lenny. Uh, I was part of the, as being a, one of the committed citizens to help create the PCO in that corridor. And I am just very excited. Jason has been a part of this village for a lot of years. He's not a Come, he comes to the meetings. He's an active member of our business association. Uh, 
<clears throat> what he's proposing is fabulous. I mean, it's a quarter of a million dollar improvement. I really wouldn't get hung up over the trash part of it. If that's what he, you know, he's a small business, he's worked hard. That's a small sacrifice, small compromise. I mean, when I spoke to uh, Jason the other night at one of the meetings, he said, you know, Richard, I'm so discouraged. I just, I'm just not even gonna go forward. And I said, Jason, <coughs> go forward. The commissioners will listen to you. Your reason will just explain it to them. And I'm excited about this. I have to tell you, it's gonna really lift up as you come over the bridge, um, the entire district. I'm also an adjacent property owner. I guess it was say adjacent. I own property along the Llewellyn Avenue property there and several other pieces in that corridor. So I hope that you all will strongly uh, consider his program. It's a good one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Any questions of Mr. Levin? Thank you, Commissioner's comment. Question about the structure. I think one of the issues here is the um, the, the con area that contains the trash. Um, you could put drive it. I'm sorry. Excuse me, Mr. Woodard. Yes, yes the architect. Um, I have some photos if you want to take a look at. Sure. The concern is, I think that the the and I apologize if I'm going to speak for the um, the folks in our planning staff is that there's a similar uh, look and feel to that enclosure, to the actual building itself. And so you're proposing a change to, not the change they've recommended, but yet a change to improve the structures. Yes. Uh, and I drive that, I drive that by it every sure, day, sure. several times, so I, I know exactly what it looks like. Well, I hadn't, I've been on his site uh, a million times, I, plus or minus 100, um, but, and I had really never paid much attention to that until yesterday, so I went over there and took a couple photos, and I actually thought the structure was in pretty good shape. Um, however, I would, tend to agree a little bit with staff. It's, it's probably not exactly what they're looking for, but if you look at everybody else's businesses, it's probably better than most. But, and, and all that being said, Jason and I talked about, instead of us going through the expense of a masonry building, which, I mean, a masonry enclosure, uh, we think it'd be better and a little cheaper for us to do it out of wood and match the addition. Because that's where the, that's where the dumpster is on the backside of the building, where the addition's gonna go. So we think, I mean, you know, he's got multiple materials on this building. He's got block, he's got brick, he's got drive it, actually drive it finish on the front. So he's got a lot of ways to go here. So, I mean, I think the compromise for us is just to help us with a little bit of the budget. Um, if you guys could, could allow us a little bit of latitude on that, allow us to build the, a wooden structure with drive it that would be nice, still match the building with the wooden gate, which is what he already has. Um, that, that's what we're asking. Mr. Woodard, explain to them what it will really look like because you're, you're using products. I mean, the, the wood frame will be interior. No one will see that. That's correct. And the drive it is in panels. That's correct. Well, so if you look at that a photo, you, I mean, the, you know, you've got three sides, you got four sides of the enclosure. The front of it's going to be a gated situation, whether you do it out of masonry or whatever. So the front of that's going to be a wooden gate. So the three sides are, we're, we're just asking for us to be able to allow us to build wood construction. Um, you face that with a drive-it finish similar to the building, because the building's going to be blocked, but you're gonna, we're going to put a drive-it finish, finish on this. It's going to look, look a lot better than the back of this building right now. So all I'm asking is if, you know, a wooden structure with a drive-it finish on three sides with a cap, 
to, to kind of match kind of what we already what we're proposing. Can you explain what drive it? Yeah, I'm is. listening to it myself. Drive it's a, it's a, um, it's kind of a stucco. Yeah, it's a stucco finish, but it's a fine stucco. Um, if if you've ever been to Jason's station, he's kind of got that on the front of his garage surface. It's a, it's just a, uh, we call it an exterior insulation finish. It's um, insulation, and then they put a plaster kind of coating on the outside to make it look nice. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a stucco finish, uh, real fine. You can do a lot of things with it. Um, on, his, on his addition, we're going to put some pilasters in there so we can form some things and make it look more like you know, the building we already have. The dumpster, we're just, we just want a smooth finish um, to kind of match that. That makes sense? I've got a different question, if you don't mind. I'm looking at your proposed left front elevation. Mm -hmm. And on the addition, it shows um, a garage door, which would be similar to any garage door, I, I would guess you'd see on any house or business these days. And then the old existing front has the older glass-paneled garage doors. Right. Is there any way to have those match so that kind of well, works together? The, the, old, the doors you had are very old. I mean, they're very old. They've been there for ever since probably the building. So... It's, it's possible, but I mean, again, in the interest of some money savings and still allowing him some light inside his new structure, we, we wanted to put a series of lights across the top. And, I, you know, again, you know, from, from a security standpoint, although I don't think he's had any pr problems with his garage doors, but he has had some issues with, with the building itself. So I was trying to minimize, you know, since that's kind of tucked around the corner, kind of tucked in a little bit of the backside there, I was trying to minimize the glass on that on that particular part of his of the building for those doors. That's the reason. And that the addition's going to be this the drive it as yes. well. All sides of the addition. Yes. I think you said masonry would drive it over it, correct? That's right. Yeah. So we need to drive it finish because the drive it has insulation. You put insulation on top of the CMU, and then you come back over with your finish. So, in order to get to meet some standards for, um, in, you know, the heating and ventilation, our values for the building, I've got to have, got to have some drive it uh, with insulation encapsulating this building to just to meet the your standards for the building. <clears throat> Any other questions, comment, commissioners? Mr. Woodard. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Commissioners? Um, we have a request as to the condition in the recommendation that addresses the exterior material of the dumpster. And um, if you are in agreement with the applicant's request, we would revise it to read that the dumpster shall be screened with uh, walls that are of the um, constructed of the same exterior materials as the building, and that would pick up the drive it. Is that the consensus? Are we all on the same page with that, Commissioners? Mm -hmm. All right. The motion is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuellen? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Um, Mr. Thomas? Yes. 
Mr. Fairley. Aye, we'll make that recommendation to council, and uh, we appreciate the extent to which you folks are going to make this gateway site a little bit more appealing. Thank you for your commitment to our city. Good luck with it. Next item before you is number nine, Vincent Powell, for a special exception to operate an automobile and truck repair facility on property fronting 50 feet more or less on the northern line of Avenue J, beginning 600 feet more or less from the western line of Merritt Street and extending westwardly. Premises numbered 860 Avenue J. Ash. Hello, Commissioners. So as Lenny said, this property is located at 860 Avenue J. That is on the north side of Avenue J north of Souls Point Road and south of Little Creek Road. The site is surrounded by a variety of commercial uses um, and also as stated, this is a request to have a auto repair facility. Some of the history. Um, this site was at one time operated as an auto repair facility. That uh, facility ceased use in 2010. Two years then passed. So then the site lost its prior grandfathering. Now it's here today to request a special exception for auto repair to reestablish that use. Um, and it is zone C2, which permits it with a special exception. Uh, before I get into staff recommendations, uh, it's important to note sort of some prior history. This item was continued twice prior and then was delayed due to our weather at the last meeting. Um, through multiple iterations, we've gotten to where we are. Uh, we got there because it's important to note that our regulations for auto repair changed since when this application came in to now. Um, this application is being held to the prior standard. Uh, the prior standard for special exceptions allows staff to recommend various conditions, which we believe will make the site better relating to use, construction, operation, character, location, landscaping, etc. Through that process, we come to here. Uh, the site is too small to meet current regulations. Again, it is uh, under the old regulations. So that being said, the recommendations that staff have is we are requesting landscaping along the front, a 10-foot landscape buffer, landscaping to the east, a 6-foot landscape buffer, and then landscaping to the east behind the building and directly north behind the building, um, a 6-foot landscape buffer as well. Uh, the applicant has agreed to do this. In doing that, they will be uh, replacing the apron to the property, reducing its size uh, to make it correlate with the proposed improvements. Um, with that, staff is recommending approval. I would also like to add that there has been a letter of opposition or an email of opposition from the property owner who is immediately actually to the west, not across the street as we discussed earlier, to the west. Any and that would be the Midway Shopping Center. Is that correct, Ash? That is correct, yep. Thank you. Any questions of Mr. Question. Jones, commissioners? I'm sorry, Ash, you said something. I just said any questions, which you already got. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, here in favor of this, app, of this application is the applicant, Mr. Vincent Powell. If you'd like to make any comments, sir, now is your time. Thank you, sir. Commissioners, any questions? Uh, Mr. Powell, I, I will say, uh, from my perspective, this has been a challenge for us. Uh, we have a very, very challenging site in terms of its size. Type of work that you want to do uh, tends to be such that it generates a lot of vehicular traffic, and your site does not appear, at least in my mind, to be able to accommodate that. Uh, 
Um, uh, your next door neighbor has complained, not necessarily about you, but by prior occupants of this of these premises parking on their site, and they had some concerns with that. Um, but I think one of the sentiments at least I have is trying to give an opportunity where an opportunity might be warranted. Um, I'm wondering if you might be willing to consider uh, an 18-month trial period of your business operating here in hopes that we could have, see what compatibilities or lack of compatibility may evolve as a result of uh, what those around you, uh, your neighbors might be concerned with. And uh, if we can get you to buy into that, do you think that might be something that you might be willing to try? Please come forward. Give us your name and mailing address, sir. Vince, Vince Powell. My mailing address is 3852 Augustine Circle, Portsmouth, Virginia. Just some of the definition for auto repair. We are not doing the exact same auto repairs as they had in the previous. We don't do any mechanic work. We're just doing rims and audios. So we don't have the long-term cars there. We don't have the long traffic as well. It's just the definition kind of makes it seem we're doing auto and truck repair when we're actually not doing any repairs at all. We're just doing rims, audio, window tent, and small items. So the most cars is going to be there. It's probably like an hour and a half. We do appointments. And so far, the neighbors across from us have sent us several phone calls thanking us for the business. The restaurant across the street gets 10 more customers a week because of our, our services there already. We had several clothes drives, which everyone dropped off clothes actually ate over the business, the hair salon picked up. So we're actually already increasing more of the business around us than we're increasing so far. So, I mean, the trial would be great. I'm sure we'll succeed in it. Um, but the auto repair part is just, to me, is definition because we are not doing any engine repair, no brake jobs, no oil changes. It's just the new definition puts us in auto repair instead of audio and rims, and that's our main. Uh, so then your business activity is going to be rims, tires, and audio equipment. We're doing rim, tire, audio, and some tent, and we have a mm -hmm. um, contract with a local tent, so he just takes them over to his shop, so we don't even have it stationary there that long. So like I said, a most of the car would be there. It's probably an hour for an install of a stereo system. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing any type of auto repairs there that requires the extra parking, overnight we're not doing any of that it's just when I applied for it they said the definition calls it an auto and truck thank you sir any other comments you want to give at this time no, sir thank you commissioners any question or comment on mr. Powell Lenny all right if I understand this we are recommending that um, or we're going to propose to recommend that the application be approved with the conditions contained in the staff report and further noted that the special exception shall expire 18 months from the date of the adoption of the ordinance by the city council. Is that correct? That's correct, Lenny. All right. The uh, motion, therefore, is to recommend approval of special exception subject to the uh, conditions in the staff report and further subject to the special exception expiring uh, 18 months from the date of adoption by city council of the ordinance adopting it. Dr. Newman. Good luck, Mr. Powell. I'm glad to see you have the opportunity to, to succeed in our city. I vote aye. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. McQuillan. I wish you well. Good to see entrepreneurs investing in Norfolk. Yes. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Thomas. No. And Mr. Fraley. Aye. 
I wish you luck with that, Mr. Powell. Okay. Thank you. Next uh, application is Bay City Classics Incorporated for a special exception to operate an automobile and traffic repair facility on property fronting 231 feet, more or less along the western line of Croft Street, beginning 282 feet, more or less from the eastern line of Azalea Garden Road and extending eastwardly. Premises numbered 3335 Croft Street. Thank you, Lenny. I do want to acknowledge that the applicant is here, does not wish to speak, but is here to answer questions, Mr. Robert Darden. And with that, there is no opposition. Oh, did you want to speak, Mr. Darden? Okay. There is no opposition. Lenny. The uh, motion to recommend the special exception be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Uh, Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes, good luck. Mr. Austin? Yes. Ms. Austin? Mrs. Austin? Ms. Austin? Ms. Ms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. All right. When you get off the road, you just don't get back. <laughs> okay. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? I vote aye and wish you well with that. Uh, that's kind of an iconic location over there, and I know you have a unique opportunity with your wall to make a favorable impression in terms of keeping vehicles off the street. Wish you luck with them. And uh, I, I, I can remember your facility as a kid, uh, so it's still in great looking shape. So looking forward to you keeping that way. Best of luck. I vote aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Right. We now move to item number 11, 711. For the following application on property fronting at 215 feet, more or less, along the southern line of East Little Creek Road and 166 feet, more or less, along the western line of Azalea Garden Road, premises number 2475 East Little Creek Road. There are two applications. The first is a special exception to operate a convenience store 24 hours with fuel sales. The second is a special exception for the sale of alcoholic beverages for on-off-premises consumption. Thank you, Lenny. I do want to acknowledge uh, Mr. Ray King as well as Mr. Steve Blevins. I want to say that there is no opposition to this application, but if you're so inclined to want to speak, Mr. King, the podium is yours. Uh, we're here to answer any questions. Covered everything very well. I have uh, large copies of uh, the views of the property and the site plan. The uh, motion is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Matthew? I'm sorry. Okay. I was going to say we're now moving to number 12, the uh, new donut dinette for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment on property fronting 100 feet more or less along the western line of Holly Avenue and 100 feet more or less along the southern line of Harrington Avenue, premises numbered 1917 Collie Avenue. Matthew, now it's time to ask for you. All right. Okay. Well, this is a request for a special exception by the new donut dinette. Um, here's the, the location on the corner of Harrington Avenue and Collie Avenue 
and the site is located in it with a, a mix of different um, uses surrounding it, residential to the south and to the west, and uh, commercial uses to the north, um, northeast, and institutional use directly to the west. And the request is for special exception for an eating and drinking establishment at the site um, that previously had the original uh, donut dinette. Um, hours of operation are uh, very similar. 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Thursday, open 24 hours uh, starting on Friday at 6 a.m. and then going through um, through Friday night and all day Saturday and then eventually closing Sunday at 10 p.m., um, which was uh, similar to how the old Donut Dinette operated during the summer hours, I believe. Um, however, the alcohol would still um, stop at 9, it would start 9 a.m. and stop at 10 p.m., um, every single day of the week. And then the seating capacity, um, same seating for the indoors. Uh, they are adding uh, substantial seating outdoors, 54 seats with a total capacity of 95. And the site plan is um, right here shown for you. The site, uh, including the residential, I mean, I'm sorry, including the um, commercial spaces that are also on that same property to, um, to the south that you see here on the site plan, uh, to your to your left on the site plan, but to the south of the site, um, all of these uses uh, meet the current parking requirements for the various uses in the district, and you see the parking um, to the behind that will have to be improved somewhat to come into come into code, and then in the landscaping that is um, attached to the site plan and is made a condition of the ordinance. There, there also will be there's a condition in there that requires a six foot solid uh, fence separating this parking lot from the adjacent residential um, to the west that you see at the top of the site plan there. Um, similar to what we just saw with other establishments along this corridor, uh, anytime that we have parking for a restaurant directly adjacent to um, residential, we, we like to make good neighbors and we have a six foot solid fence requirement. And um, so that's in here as well. And then for the landscaping along the side too. This application also is accompanied by a um, PCO development certificate, and uh, that is for the um, that is for the outdoor dining structure that's to the side along Harrington. Um, any structure located in a pedestrian commercial overlay district um, has to get the certificate to make sure that it complies with all the development standards of the PCO. There are no no waivers that are needed for this at all. The structure comes directly up to the property lines, uh, which is what we encourage along this. It, and uh, it is, is fully transparent. Uh, obviously, it's not enclosed, so it's transparent. And, um, and what you see here, not really a part of the, the PCO development certificate with the tree, the, the, the structure does incorporate the existing trees that are present there on the site. Um, so it will be sort of a dining experience. You have the tree there as well, even though there's the, the roof. And uh, that's all been vetted through recreation parks and open space and, um, and, and as to how that works and how that technology uh, incorporates the tree without killing the tree. And um, so that's all, that's all been worked out. But that's what you see here. And that is that will be B of your vote is for the PCO development certificate with no waivers. So that's the, uh, I think, the entire application in front of you. And uh, I do have a 
a letter of uh, support that I placed at your chairs from the um, from the Ghent Neighborhood League. They do express some concern with um, the the extended hours and the introduction of alcohol to this site, and have asked for a um, a sunset period, an expiration of the special exception, where we would revisit the matter. And um, I think the letter asked for 12 months. We usually do these for 18 months, and they usually come in the door about 12 months, and we review, and, and hopefully they, we, they have a decision from planning and council within the 18 months um, for a sunset. And that's up to you, but that's what's in the, in the letter um, from the Ghent Neighborhood League. And with all of that, staff does recommend approval of the, um, of the two applications as presented. Thank you, Matthew. Any questions of Mr. Simons, commissioners? Thank you, Matt. Hearing none, uh, here in favor of this application, Mr. David Zelmar. I'm David Zelmer, uh, 718 Redgate Avenue. And I apologize, I said I was four. Um, I wasn't sure you'd gotten the letter from the Kent Neighborhood League. I'm a board member and I wanted to make sure you had that. We did approve it. But I also now, because uh, I'd like you at least to be aware of some of the concerns we had. And uh, because I think whether, however you decide this is important, just looking at the PCO development. Um, in our letter, we said, we find ourselves in an ambiguous position. We want to encourage the reopening of this iconic business location, and we wish the business owners success. However, we believe that the applications now presented is all too likely. If they are successful in attracting the number of patrons that they plan for, it will result in an untenable parking situation for residents and property owners alike, increasing frustration and traffic loading far beyond what is presumed. Our board did not feel that we could vote on the parking issue because it was presented by planning staff as being in accordance with the zoning ordinance. Um, and that is the position of the board. But I'd like to present part of that minority argument, which was that this was presented as being in accordance with the zoning ordinance. But we're talking about the new policy of outdoor seating. It was pointed out by the planning department that outdoor seating did not necessitate additional parking, and that was part of the policy that city council wants that we're all supporting. In fact, I think everybody has a, a general idea. We want outdoor seating. Yeah, sorry if I confused that. But that it didn't necessarily require additional parking. And that makes sense, but, and I will quote a little bit from what George's response um, mentioned, because I think it gets to that point. He's, he mentions that during the warmer months when outdoor dining is being utilized, often at least some of the indoor seats remain vacant. I think implicit in that policy idea was that when people are wanting to partake of a restaurant, that if there's outdoor seating available and restaurant owners wanted to offer the amenity of outdoor seating when it was available, and therefore the patrons would be outside to some extent rather than inside. But we are now presented with a, an applicant who's asking for outdoor seating that exceeds the indoor seating by 50%. That that, in, that assumption then breaks down. You know, if, if as many people show up as he wants in that outdoor seating, then the parking isn't supporting that because that assumption that all we're doing is displacing patrons from the inside to the outside is broken. Now, 
because I thought this was policy and it's something that's been going under review and has been talked about in different situations, and I'll point out particular, I, I think it's Spoons on, on 21st Street that has a dining on top. Part of the reason that was felt that that worked so well is because you got shared parking with the other businesses. So to me, I thought we were looking at things on a case-by-case -case basis. We expressed our concern that having this much outdoor seating was in fact, would impact outdoor uh, out, uh, parking. And in this particular case, this is not in the middle of Kali uh, PCO area where you have the extra parking, the meter parking behind no frills and narrow and stuff, and you also have the parking over by Blair School. There isn't extra parking in this area. And so we felt as representatives of, rep of the residents in that area that we needed to chime in and say, this isn't right. But it's been presented as though this is a done deal because it's in accordance with the zoning ordinance. So we were looking for a little flexibility, and I don't think we got it. I Your think we terminology, were... <laughs> done deal, is offensive. And I, uh, well, from, but, excuse me, let me finish talking. Okay, okay. You get to talk, I get to talk. I'm sorry, you asked a question I was going to respond. No, I really didn't. I gentlemen, 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 uh, gentlemen, this is my meeting. I, question. I didn't uh, ask a question, sir. Uh, Lenny? Uh, gentlemen, this is my meeting. Has this time expired? Yes, Chris? <laughs> Proceed with your comments, sir. I'm sorry. I, 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 I welcome his, his concern. Any questions of Mr. Zelma? Mr. Newcomb? The uh, comment that I was referring to, and I remember when the policy was adopted by the city council, it acknowledged, particularly in Ghent, in Kali, that a lot of people walk to those restaurants, as I have done on several occasions, mm -hmm. as many others have done, as you probably have done. So it was intended to allow the restaurants to gain um, more use of their restaurants without penalizing them for a lack of space, because Kali, particularly in that area, does not have an abundance of parking. Most of the parking, honestly, there has been put by the city specifically to support the businesses there in recognition of the need to get the cars out of the neighborhood. The lot that was purchased behind No Frill, the additional parking put in by, by on, on the other road, Spotswood by the school, was all done by the city to support that area and encourage businesses to grow there. And when we present an item, it's never presented as a done deal because we don't vote. That was my point. Staff does not vote. When we tell you it meets the requirements, it's still subject to an approval by this group and by city council. When I meant done deal, my reference was to the analysis being sufficient because it was in accordance with this. I understand, but you realize that term has more connotation than you probably meant for it to have. You're right. That is correct. I stand corrected. Mr. Zell, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would like a point of clarification. Uh, when this was reviewed, I was under the assumption, and may be wrong, that the, uh, the complete uh, number of, of seats available for customers was figured into the parking available in the back. Was that the case? No, ma'am, that is not the case. The, okay. The, the zoning ordinance... Um, exempts from parking calculations um, seats that are exclusively outdoor dining. That is okay. why you will see in, um, 
when outdoor dining is proposed, you will see as part of the conditions a prohibition on enclosing it and conditioning it with heating and cooling and, and things like that to ensure that it remains as, as outdoor dining. Um, you know, Mr. Newcomb's point is is taken, uh, and and it goes along with the point that um, that I made in, in my response to to Mr. Zelmer and and uh, Mr. Condi, and that is that during really good weather, places that are walkable, such as Twenty um, First Street, such as Colley Avenue, such as downtown, uh, people will walk um, to not insist on parking. It's during the, the winter months when parking becomes uh, used more frequently by, by, more, by higher percentage of patrons, and that, of course, is the time when, if we followed the rules, the outdoor dining is, is just generally not available, um, or if, if it is available, nobody wants to sit out there. Um, so that's the, you know, the, the theory is that during warmer months, um, there will be more more people walking and fewer indoor seats being used, um, and that was the theory that went into the council policy. Um, so, we in fact do not count um, outdoor seats um, in in assessing parking. Now, you know, this is my plug for the new zoning ordinance. This is this is something that, if that is a concern, and you all wish the consultant to to take that on as part of the, the discussions of the new zoning ordinance um, at your very next meeting. You will have the opportunity to meet directly with the consultants, and if, if that's an issue, I you know, strongly recommend you bring it up. Thank you, George. Mr. Zellman, you understand George's comments in that I do. regard. I do. And uh, we've arrived at this recommendation, at least staff has, based on current policy guidelines. Uh, and if there is a concern with regard to whether or not the allowance of parking for those who dine outside uh, is not being weighed appropriately, uh, then you might want to encourage uh, us, us being the planning commission, to ask staff and our contractors to look at that particular area with regard to the rewrite of our zoning ordinance, which is ongoing as we speak. May I say something? Yes, sir. Partially, in, partially in agreement, if you will. Mm -hmm. I brought this up particularly because our concern in this particular location puts it in a area of very tight parking, and that coupled with the lack of uh, some connection between, when you say that there's no parking requirement for outdoor seating and then don't make any sort of connection between the capacity of outdoor seating versus indoor seating, it just looked like, I mean, if you look at this logically, ar arithmetically, outdoor seating could be infinite. And so you have to ask the question, well, where does it stop? So. I'm not doing this because I'm happy to do this. I wanted to bring this up because we're concerned that this could lead to a very difficult. I think there's a concern that in that particular area it will because it's debatable whether somebody who wants to patronize this location on Harrington and 21st is going to actually park all the way back behind, Nar uh, behind the Naro or something like that mm -hmm. versus trying to park in that Harrington uh, street uh, where there isn't very much parking. So we're, we're, we are very concerned in this particular case. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was worth bringing up as a case study, if you will, of where we might have problems with uh, outdoor seating and parking. We thank you for your time and attention. You. Before you leave the podium. Mr. Chairman, if I might make one plug, and, and uh, Mr. Zelmer, this is for you and, and for all the members of, of GNL and, and any other um, civic leagues that, that are interested. Um, on Tuesday, the 7th of April, um, at from six to eight at the Chrysler Museum, 
Um, the public will have unlimited access to the consultants to express exactly these kinds of concerns, and I really hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity. I have a uh, Mrs. Helmer, please, did you? Yeah, a question here. Um, we've been talking about parking, although um, in the first paragraph of, of the letter that was presented, uh, there was a, a request for a 12-month sunset clause, and that was reflective of the um, extended hours and introduction of alcohol at the location. Uh, based on the staff's uh, reference to the typical sunset being 18 months, given the fact that we want to have at least ideally a year's worth of operation, would you be willing to consider we that 18 that months? We the number. Uh, we, we discussed it, and, and we said we, we knew that there was evolving policy. We couldn't remember what was So it sounds like there's some flexibility on that. Uh, we're, we're going with what you folks are, okay. are doing. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Has anyone from staff, uh, Matt, you were handling that? Uh, have you spoken with the applicant with regard to a potential sunset? Sorry. Um, no, we just got the letter from GNL this morning. Uh, so I haven't got a chance to, to talk to the applicant about that. Um, we, as staff, generally haven't done too many sunsets on just eating and drinking. We primarily do that only on the entertainment. Um, it's a discretion that's completely up to you what you want to do with the condition, but I have not gotten a chance to speak to the applicant about oh, Sam. Comments? Thank you, Matt. And I think the sunset's warranted, especially with the parking even. So we'll have, we'll have a year of operating to see if the parking is a problem or not a problem. So I think it's a, not only to the alcohol, but for the parking problem, it's mm -hmm. also warranted. So, uh, Mr. Malibu, you have a quizzical look on your face. Oh, I just look like that. Oh. <laughs> Good deal. Any other comments, uh, commissioners, or questions? I'm, I'm overly, I'm, I'm a bit concerned that we're handing out the sunset clauses a little too often without having real concern. I, I look at this application, and it's very little difference from this one and probably 20 others that we've had go through in that neighborhood since I've been on uh, planning commission. It, you know, it's, it's, it's Ghent. It's, uh, there are eateries that serve alcohol all up and down that street uh, that some of them have entertainment. This particular one doesn't even have entertainment. Um, you know, again, with regard to the parking, it's, it's Ghent. It's, it's supposed to be an encouraging, walkable neighborhood. And, um, you know, our climate in this area, it's, it's, it's usually hot, it's usually cold, it's rarely somewhere in between where the outdoor seating can be uh, used, and so I, I have a hard time seeing where the parking is going to be that much of a problem that often. Uh, you know, you know, if, if that's the, the pleasure of the board to do the sunset, that's fine, but I just, I, I'm wondering whether we're handing them out a little too much too often. I would echo Mr. Thomas's comments as well, and just say that I, you know, I, I don't know that we need to allow this establishment to be the, be the, the, the test case or put the burden on this business to, to, to prove this one way or the other. They're in compliance with, with what our policies were there. This was something that came, was brought together by the GNL and the business association in the area as a, uh, you know, as a way to stimulate business there. I, I've walked to these Collie Avenue establishments for. For, for many, many years, and, and I know the trends in that area, and, you know, I, I just feel a little uncomfortable adding additional burden to this, uh, to this business with a sunset clause needing to come back through. They need to put some, some money, invest in this, 
uh, in the growth in this area. And there are other areas now, and I've said this before, there's other areas in the city that are giving real competition to the Collie Avenue uh, business corridor. And um, to, to tie them or handcuff them at this time is, um, is I don't think gives them the, the, the full advantage to succeed. So I don't know that I would, would favor adding that at, at this time. Any other question or comment, commissioners? I, one more comment. I do think it's uh, worthwhile to ask the um, zoning experts to take a look at this for us. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have an opinion, but I'm not sure that uh, in the long run that that's going to be my final position. I just think I agree with Dr. Dan at this point. Um, let's study it, but let's not shoulder this particular applicant with the burden of having to possibly shut down um, just because it's the first one, the beginning of the conversation. Thank you, Mr. Vice and Dr. Dan, Matt, Lenny. The uh, motions recommend that the pedestrian commercial uh, overlay development certificate and the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. McQuillan. Yes, and I would encourage uh, members of the Ghent Neighborhood League who are concerned about parking to come join us on April 7th to talk about zoning in our code rewrite. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Thomas. Yes. Mr. Fraley. I, and I do want to thank uh, Matthew for pointing out to us that we typically don't extend that sunshine clause to places that don't have entertainment. Uh, that was a, a pretty insightful uh, bring-up, Matt. Thank you. Uh, but I do appreciate also Mr. Zelmers bringing that to our attention in hopes that we might see that this type of thing gets considered at the critical time we are right now with regard to our zoning rewrite. It's these types of things we want to have addressed, so if they should come up in the future, we will have a better sense for how better to deal with them and maybe try to encapsulate that in whatever new ordinance that we may come up with. So appreciate you bringing that to our attention. I vote aye. Uh, next item before us is number 13, Smalls Restaurant and Catering Company, for a special exception, exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages on property fronting 80 feet more or less on the northern line of West 27th Street and 75 feet more or less along the eastern line of Hampton Boulevard, premises number 2700 Hampton Boulevard. Thank you, Lenny. And here to, uh, in favor of this application does not wish to speak as the applicant, uh, Mr. O'Neill. Did I get that correct? Smalls. Oh. I can't read, sir. Excuse me. <laughs> Forgive me. Mr. Smalls, thank you. Uh, and also, who does wish to speak in favor of this application, Thomas Harris. Again, my name is Thomas Harris. I live 1231 West 27th Street, Norfolk, just down the street from the restaurant. I... Approval, Mr. Small, of opening this restaurant or uh, doing this uh, alcohol there because he's a good asset. They're good business there, and the corner is clean. The traffic is really good. I haven't seen a problem since he's been there. So we, and I have had the opportunity to visit the establishment, not as a drinker, but as an eater because I don't drink. But uh, John and I, we uh, go way back from the old days. So the Levels Point Civil League do approve of him operating this establishment. Thank you. Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris. 
very quickly, I, I just want to thank you for coming down here today and speaking on behalf of both of the applicants. Uh, right. You know, it, it's very helpful for us to hear those things, and I know it takes time out of your day. I appreciate that. Well, I believe in partnership in, in any community, and that's the only way we can work together is coming together. Thank you so thank much. You. Well thank said. You, sir. Uh, Mr. Harris did forget to mention that Mr. Ed Small serves a wicked bowl of shrimp and grits, too. Oh, yes, the barbecue is real good. <laughs> <laughs> With that, Lenny. The motion is to uh, recommend that the special exception be approved subject conditions contained in the staff report. Uh, Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Next application before you is number 14, Croker Spot, for a special exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages on property fronting 113 feet more or less along the northern line of 35th Street and 67 feet more or less along the western line of Newport Avenue premises numbered 635th Street. And I acknowledge that there is no opposition to this application. All right. The uh, motion to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Yes. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Mr. Fraley? Long overdue, looking forward to it, and uh, come on Smalls. I mean, come on Crocus Spot. Smalls is already here. <laughs> uh, application number 15, Lambert's Point Golf Course. Special exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages on property fronting 45 feet more or less along the western line of Powhatan Avenue, beginning 102 feet more or less along the western prolongation of 43rd Street and extending northwardly. Property is also bounded to the west and north by the Elizabeth River. Premises numbered 4301 Powhatan Avenue. Thank you, Lenny. And uh, here's the applicant does not wish to speak. We do want to acknowledge Mike Fentress, Mr. Fentress. And also here to speak in favor of this application, Mr. Thomas Harris. Are you tired of getting up, Mr. Harris? <laughs> I tell you, I love getting up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and before I get over that, I'd like to see each and every one of you nice peoples out to the walk Saturday mm -hmm. morning. The Labyrinth Point Civil League and the Highland Park Civil League had joined together to make a difference in the city with all the crime, the shooting, and everything that's going on now. The President of the Civil League, Dev, we think this be a great thing, so come on out and join us at 11 o'clock. We're going to meet at 41st and Kellam Avenue. And you also support this application, don't you? I do. I support this application. Uh, Mr. Fentress and I, we met. We have been back to the establishment. I think it would be a great access to the neighborhood and to the college. And we want his business there, so we want to approve him, too. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Lenny. The uh, motion is to recommend the special exception be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Dr. McClellan? Actually, Wow. Wow. Do you want to have to answer later? Or? Wow. <laughs> Something happened we're not aware of? Well, Dr. Newman? Aye. Thank you. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. McQuillan. I'm working on my PhD. Uh, yes. Ms. Austin. Yes. 
Mr. Thomas. Yes. And Mr. Fraley. I will make that recommendation with the council. That concludes our public hearing. Thank you very much for joining with us. Commissioners, we do have a couple of items.